The Holy Spirit. Here's my key scripture for today. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22. The Apostle Paul, writing by the Holy Spirit, with the authority of God the Father himself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, having seen Jesus risen from the dead with his own eyes, says, Do not quench the Spirit. It's a metaphor of pouring water on a fire and putting it out. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Let's pray. God the Father, I do ask for a special delivery of grace by the Holy Spirit this morning to serve your church well. And I pray that you touch every single heart. Father, let us agree together that the work of the kingdom is the work of faith. And so, Lord, unless it's faith, let us come to faith. Let us not respond with doubt. Let us not respond with the flesh. But, Lord, let us walk in faithful response to your word with faith in Jesus Christ for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, have you ever seen anything like this online? The Balfour Heresy Exposed. Anybody seen any of these YouTube videos like such and such a heresy exposed? You know, you ever seen that? I always, whenever I see that, I I always feel sympathetic to whoever's about to get roasted because I know any one of you with some YouTube skills can make one about me. So I'm getting ahead of the curve here. I'm going to do some Balfour Heresy Exposing. No, I'm already loving this too much. Arm waving. Have you ever been to the Calvary Church? He does this like he's some kind of flightless bird. Everybody knows the Holy Spirit is a dove, which is a flight bird. So obviously, it can't be the Holy Spirit because he does this without ever taking off. Almost weekly cat stories. We know that cats are the least spiritual animal. Because they attack their owners all the time. That is not Christ-like. What else, you know? Look at that shirt. Look at that guy's face. You can't tell if he's about to say the word Jesus or cheese. That's not clear. Teaching should be clear. Maybe he's got a heresy about Jesus. The worship of Gouda. My wife so regrets being here this morning right now. (laughs) She's like, this is okay at home, not fit for public consumption. Well, you'll see these videos online where people have decided to do their expose, roasting, lancing, destroy the preacher video. And they tend to be Bible-type peoples going after charismatic-type peoples. Not always. But they tend to be reformed type, Bible type people going after some kind of Pentecostal or whatever type people. And so, just so you know, I know they're out there. And um, this isn't an invitation for Calvary memes just to take this and run with it. Be nice. Pastors have feelings too. But... It's this thing in the church, and it really, I think, exploded over COVID where people were at home more often and they're investing in their video editing equipment on their, on their eye-expensive thing. And um, 
And so there's these exposés where people are like going after this person said that or this person didn't exegete this or whatever. And there, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there really is this um, big frozen clicker. Thank you. There's this big divide over the right way to be a Holy Spirit church. Are you meant to be a Holy Spirit church by loving the Bible that the Holy Spirit inspired and expecting the Holy Spirit to help your pastor teach you the Bible really well and to have the Holy Spirit help you to understand the Bible really well so that you can be a Bible church? Is that the right way to do the Holy Spirit? Or is the right way to be a Holy Spirit church to love the gifts and flow with the gifts and have prophecy all the time and have speaking in tongues all the time and, and kind of forget that administration is a gift of the Spirit. Poor administrator. We got an administrative pastor. Hopefully you're doing that by the power of the Spirit. It is in there, but nobody wants the gift of administration from the Holy Spirit. If somebody comes up after and says, pray for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the last thing they want is to get really annoyed by how the chairs aren't in straight lines and to start administrating the chairs into right lines or to be really filled with the desire to make the numbers work on the on our uh, budget planning and church finance team like nobody wants that it's not the cool one but what's the right way to be a spirit-filled church and people have strong opinions about this and are really ready to tear churches apart because of their strong opinions about the right way to be a spirit-filled church and uh it is like that. I mean, in the distant past of Calvary Chapel, it, it, we have had like people in mass leave because we weren't doing it right. So it's something that churches split over very regularly is getting the Holy Spirit right. Amen. Anybody experienced this? Anybody felt this? Anybody know about this thing? Again, very ironic that the Spirit was given to the church to unify us in our faith in Christ and to make us treasure our, the faith in one another and that we would take this, the Spirit and to, to use it to uh, destroy the work of the Spirit. I don't even know. So, the Belfort heresy has been exposed. Just in case, in case you see it online, somebody says, your pastor is a heretic. You can say, yeah, he told us all about it last Sunday. See? too smart for these guys. Now, before we look at the Holy Spirit a bit more, I want to give us a broader, uh, I want to do the pullout time, okay? Because even as a Christian, a Christian could say, look, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Just give me Jesus, 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 sometimes the Father, just give me Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with this. Too complicated, too weird, too out of control, too unnatural, too strange, too not a part of my tradition, too unmennonite, too unscottish, too unreformed, too unwhatever. You could want to do that. However, I think that would be unwise. Because whether you like it or not, you live in a spiritual world. The world as it was created is dominated by spiritual forces. This is what the Bible teaches us. Hey, this is a Bible church. I believe the Bible. Shocking news. Expose. Robert Belfort actually believes the Bible is inspired. Not all pastors who do that. And not all people who say they believe it actually believe it. I do actually believe it. Okay? 
I find no fault with Scripture. When I disagree with it, I go and I say, I'm wrong, teach me. Okay? I find no fault with Scripture. I'm the dumb one when I open my Bible. Anyhow, the Bible teaches us that the, the world is a spiritually dominated place. There is no such thing as the secular excuse me, uh, culture. There's no such thing as, as people saying, we just don't want anything to do with spirits. There is no universe like that. The universe is made by the great spirit, the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Son, Jesus Christ. And this great spirit has an enemy who has been named Satan or the devil, and he has foot soldiers who do his bidding, and they are very influential. And you will be influenced by either one or the other, but there is no neutral ground. There is no demilitarized zone. There is no safe haven from spiritual warfare. That's what God teaches us. And he tells us this as our friend so that we would know the truth. And so if we want to be an unspiritual people, then all we actually do is make ourselves very susceptible to the spiritual warfare and the bad spirits. And I want to say this morning, just to help us understand that uh, spiritual warfare from the enemy, from the enemies of God and the enemies of humanity, tend to reveal itself or to appear or to be experienced in three different ways. Deception, temptation, or oppression. Let me explain what I mean. Deception, temptation, or oppression. We can go to Genesis chapter 3. It's all right there in the book of Genesis. Almost everything's there. That's why it's called Genesis. It means the beginning of everything. And if you read afresh the interaction between the serpent, who is revealed throughout Scripture to be Satan, it manifests in some kind of physical serpent form, and his discussion with the woman, you see there is deception and temptation that results in oppression. Chapter 3, verse 1, second half. And he said to the woman, this is the serpent, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. Now, I don't know what's happened here, but notice this. The first interaction between the enemy spirit and human beings is a discussion about God's word with the intention of getting the woman to misunderstand it. And it works. Because when the woman says, he told us not to eat from the garden or the tree in the midst of the garden and not to touch it, something's gone wrong there because God never said don't touch it. So the very first thing you have there is you have a deception from the truth. And after that deception's been planted, then comes the temptation, which has to do that if a deception has to do with your mind, a temptation has to do with your will or your desires. Having worked on her mind and getting her to skew what God actually said, which means she's skewed the actual perception of reality. We live in a world built by the word of God. And so when you don't understand what God says, you don't actually know reality. So now that her reality has become twisted through discussion, 
He goes in for the temptation, verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So from the deception, he goes to, Don't you want to be like God? Don't you have a desire? God's trying to keep something great from you. He's trying to keep something wonderful from you. Now if you just eat this fruit, you can get everything you want. So it moves from a twisted mind to a bent heart. And then once they eat the fruit, the man and the woman together, it says, verse 7, The eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths from themselves. So they were living in the freedom of not having to wear clothes together. They were in the peace of mind where you can just be yourself. Okay, they had that. They could just be themselves together. But after the deception... And then going with the temptation, they came under spiritual oppression. They came under fear. They came under shame. They came under not trusting each other. So there's this progression right there. And I think that as you look over the world, almost all kind of spiritual warfare, you could probably label one of these ways. Uh, there's a deception there. There's, somebody's believing something that's not true. And because they're believing something that's not true, they are willing to do things God doesn't want them to do. And because they're doing things God doesn't want them to do, their lives are in chains. They'll never be able to be the person God could make them if they followed Jesus by faith, if they believed the truth and resisted temptation and then walked in the power of God. Okay, so all this to say... Here comes the arms, the heresies in full effect. Just kidding. All this to say, if we're not a faith-filled spirit church, we will become the victims of spiritual warfare church. If we're not by faith accepting what the Father wants for us, And receiving what Christ won for us through the ministry of the Spirit amongst us and in us, this is our future. End of story. It's not if, it's when and how. Contrary to these things, the Holy Spirit's work sent afresh and with new power on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, the newest, oldest thing in the world. The Holy Spirit has come to give us revelation, freedom, and power. What do I mean by revelation? I mean that progression from being somebody who is deceived or doesn't know the truth like you could to being somebody who is free from deception and does know the truth. Let me read a scripture for you. In case you're wondering about how I work, I always struggle with how many scriptures to read because you could spend six hours just proving all of this from scripture, but uh, most of us are used to watching television shows, and so we've got like half an hour plus a little bit, unless it's the Lord of the Rings. But from the book of Ephesians here, The prayer of the Apostle Paul, again, praying the will of the Father as someone chosen by Jesus Christ and praying and writing it down by the inspiration of the Spirit, the Apostle Paul says this, I do not, verse 16 of chapter 1, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit. And that's not like a small, that's a big. Give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So light going into your heart through your spiritual eyes. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Which are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Question. Do you wake up in the morning into... The deep heart knowledge that you are, that your father is the all-powerful God of the universe and your Lord and Savior is the one raised from the dead with all power, all authority, all dominion over all things and is currently seated in heavenly places on the throne. Is that like the gripping conviction of your life? Anybody hands up? Okay, good. Nobody. Okay, one guy, and that's wonderful. Okay, if you're not there yet, the work of the Holy Spirit is to make you know it. Okay, and you won't know it without Him doing it because it is, it actually takes supernatural power from God to know God. Because, because of our sinful nature, our willingness to disbelieve and be independent or go our own way and trust in our money and trust in our culture and trust in our stuff. I'm starting to rap for no reason at all and I don't know why, but maybe somebody can help me rhyme next time. Our bent is always to love the deception ever since mom and dad ate the fruit. But if you believe the truth, you already have the spirit doing his work in you, but he wants to do more. But a huge part of the Christian life and a church's life is to keep yielding to the work of revelation in the Spirit. That He would make our brains know the truth. And in context there, He's not talking about like fresh revelation, like, you know, what the stock price of RBC is going to be at six months from now so you can either make a killing or not lose a bunch of money. He's talking about knowing what God has done. And understanding everything he's already accomplished. Because the weakness of a Christian and the weakness of the church is just not knowing what you already have. He comes with freedom. And I would look to the book of Galatians there. Where Paul describes life under the flesh as a bondage life. And instead we get the fruit of the spirit as our freedom, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the freedom to actually be the kind of good person you want to be in Jesus comes from the Holy Spirit as well as power. We do get power. Which you can look to the book of 1 Corinthians there and the giftings list and how the Holy Spirit was given to the church so that we could do the impossible in the midst of our weakness. We could prophesy. We could have words of knowledge. We can speak in tongues. We can pray and have people get healed. We can do what Jesus was doing, not because we're so wonderful, but because we're so weak and pathetic. But we need God to do what we can't do. 
but you do get power in Christ. Amen? Anybody wonder if all this COVID shenanigan stuff has to do with helping convince the church that all our money and all our programs and all our political freedoms aren't that dependable afterwards and maybe we need the Holy Spirit of God to be our power and our dependence and our security through the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father? Anybody wonder that? Anybody? Anybody? Somebody? Bueller? Bueller? Come on! The point of shaking is to find what's stable. The point of lockdowns is to find what's really free. The point of loss is to find what you can't lose. And the point of the threat of dying is to treasure eternal life. Amen? And we have it in Jesus, and Jesus sends it to us through the Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. But if you're tracking with me, I've already listed both things that we fight about as completely important to the church. If you have power without scripture, you're going to blow up. If you have Bible without belief in the presence of God, you're going to dry up. As somebody else has said, you need both. Now, unfortunately, God will often deliver both to the church in different kinds of people, and they don't get along. So you get all the Bible church people having churches together, and you get all the charismatic type people having churches together, and they keep going through the same thing over and over and over and over again. Great theology amongst people you don't know if they love you, and great excitement and passion that's just waiting to be torn apart by a heresy. How many decades do we need to watch this happen over and over and over again before we think, there's got to be another way? The way's name is Jesus. We value everything he's given us. You don't pick favorites. You don't say, I like this way and not this way. If Jesus has told us it's good, it's good. If Jesus has told us it matters, it matters. If Jesus wants to give it to us, we want to get it. Amen? With eyes wide open that it's not going to be always in ways that we think is comfortable, easy, um, easy, easy, easy. We want easy. Don't we want easy? We always want easy. Who wants easy? Anybody like easy? Who's already dreaming about the Big Macs? Easiest lunch possible. Sorry, it's actually Little Caesars is the best way to go. You can get them to be making your pizza right now, and you can pick it up on your way home, and you can have eaten half that thing. I, I, I could be wrong, and I don't like bashing the church. I really don't like bashing the church. Why would you ever... The church gets bashed enough. However, I think we need some more cross in our spirit work. I think we need some more starting with, I'm willing to die for you to do more, Holy Spirit. I think we need to start with, if somebody needs to suffer for your church to be better, let me go first, Holy Spirit. If somebody needs to be humble for your spirit to be more, for your church to be more holy, let me go first. And then, I don't even know what my next thing is here. 
Where's the divide? Scripture, gift, service. Okay, I'm way ahead of my slides. You failed me, slides. I think we could be more patient with each other. I think we could judge less. I think we give more time for truth to be revealed. I think we could work on things more. I think we can um, admit where we're just uncomfortable, but not necessarily. Like, has anybody read the Gospels before? Anybody ever read any of those first three books of the New Testament? Nobody was comfortable for very long around Jesus. This many people were regularly felt peaceful and comfortable around Jesus. And we think that because we know, we know how the story ends, that the disciples are weird for not trusting and for freaking out. Oh, it's going to be fine, guys. <laughs> no, fine. Haven't you read the end of the book? He comes back from the dead. No, it was just anxious, painful, confusing, not knowing what's going to happen next, running out of money, running out of food, running out of options, running out of water, running out of dry land, running out of places to run where the, when the people with swords come after you. It was just terrifying to be a follower of Jesus. Which I think is why when Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came, they really did put all of their eggs in his basket. That the Holy Spirit would remind them of the truth of Jesus, that he would help them understand the truth of Jesus. This is the scripture part. And that no matter where they went, there would be power to bear witness to Jesus and there'd be power to stay faithful to Jesus. They had unlimited expectation that the Spirit of Christ would help them to follow Christ unto death. You guys are being great, by the way. So this is why I think that this verse is so helpful for our church. It holds together how to be wise when it comes to Holy Spirit stuff. Command number one. Don't quench the Spirit. The operation of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a precious thing. A precious thing in your life, a precious thing in your mind and heart, a precious thing in your church, a precious thing in your city. It's precious. But it can be quenched. He can be quenched. He can be dismayed. He can be unimpressed. He can be slowed down, even though he's God. His desire is to let us know when things aren't working well by... Amen? He doesn't like it when we, um, we're angry and go to bed. He doesn't like it when husbands and wives stop forgiving each other and talking. He, he doesn't like it when people don't want him around. He doesn't like... It when his work is substituted with religion. Or not religion. 
that's a bad thing. And that's a charismatic thing. They say, ooh, it's a religious spirit. But James says that a true religion is taking care of widows and orphans. So you've got to be careful. What you really mean is empty religion where you take formalism in the place of faith. Okay? We don't want to have to trust God. So we're going to start our service at this time. We're going to have three songs, two scriptures, one message. We're going to tell everybody what the messages are beforehand. And if we just repeat our best services every single time, the work of God will be done. No. This is, this is by faith. And the Spirit is alive, and he wants to make people understand the Word, and he wants to make people filled up with his fruit. He wants to make people feel loved by God. He wants to make people freer from the enemy, freer from oppression. He wants to set people free from demonic stuff. He wants to communicate. He wants to encourage through people to other people. Don't quench that. And let's not quench that. And where we may have been doing that, let's ask for forgiveness and invite God to come back again. Again, not that he's gone. He's everywhere. But it's a relational dynamic. And then to make it specific, he says, don't despise prophecies. I think what was going on, if you look at both letters in the church of uh, to Thessalonica, there was somebody prophesying falsely there. They were saying, in the name of Jesus, Jesus has already been raised from the dead. There's no future resurrection, which is false doctrine. And they had to deal with that. But you could understand that if a church had someone prophesying false doctrine, that you could just be like, why would you want anybody ever to do this again? Prophecy's not been helpful. Somebody said something wrong. It, you know, there's this big fight. This one family left, blah, blah, blah. But why would you ever want to deal with prophecy again when that person messed it up for everybody? Can you, can, can, can you understand that people would want to be like that? It's like human nature. You had one job to be perfect forever, and you failed. Okay, so the Father, writing to an apostle of Christ by the Holy Spirit, says, don't shut down the Spirit and don't despise prophecies. Okay? Good? Anybody need to hear that this morning? Or maybe you're on that side of the spectrum. You needed to hear that this morning. Maybe you need to say, sorry, Jesus, this morning about that. And, verse 21 and 22... But test everything. That's where you kind of like listen to what's going on through the lens of Scripture to evaluate, knowing that people can get it wrong. And you don't want to be deceived because deception will open the door to temptation and temptation will result in oppression from the enemy. You don't want to get it wrong, so you have to test. You test in the body, you test by going, eh, it seems okay, doesn't that part, no, 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 test according to scripture, you know, Bible doesn't really teach that. We're told to test. Sometimes, people don't want to get tested. Sometimes, people can misinterpret the process of evaluation as quenching the spirit. To say, hey, this is a spirit, why, why are you testing, why are you putting on the brakes, why are you wondering, why are you reading your Bible in response to what somebody said? That's quenching. You're suppressing the spirit. They can, it, you know, it can sound, because it, it doesn't feel as exciting. The testing does not feel as exciting as the doing, right? Who here wants, likes to drive? Anybody? Who here likes to do driver's tests? Where somebody's watching, giving you demerits. Okay? We're like that. I want to drive how I want to drive. I don't want to be tested and corrected. Same with spiritual stuff. Same with my teaching. Same with anything that the Spirit could inspire us to do. We want to do it with fun. We don't want to get tested. 
doesn't produce good stuff because it is possible for evil to sneak in through untested spiritual activity. And so God tells us, don't quench the spirit on the one side. And he tells us on the other side, want to hold fast to what is good and reject anything that might tend to evil. Do you think that's a fair interpretation of those verses? Okay. I know at the end there I was using my own words, but that's, I'm just sharing how I understand it. Okay. Guess what? This is the most difficult kind of church to be in. This is the most work. This is the hardest. So I want to give you some homework. Yeah. School starts on Wednesday for some of you. School starts today for all of you. Okay, if I'm right, if I haven't misinterpreted scripture, if it's true what I've said, and you're welcome to be a Berean and go and test what I've said against scripture. It's a noble thing to do. Number one, I think all of us need to dedicate ourselves to increasing our confidence in the gift of the Spirit. Amen? Especially in these shaken times where we don't have our confidence in many other things like we used to. We ought to dedicate our lives to growing in the confidence that we've been given the Holy Spirit of God so that he can do what we can't do. And so that we're never in a hopeless situation because God isn't just dwelling in heaven, though Jesus is seated in the throne there right now, but he is in fact living with us right now. Dwelling with us right now as a gathered community as well as in the bodies of every pure-hearted believer in Christ. talking with uh, someone this morning who was talking about when they had a fire in their garage recently and a neighbor pointed out that their garage was on fire and as they were kind of watching the flames they realized that the fire extinguisher was in the garage and the neighbor went and got one but sometimes you can just stand there looking at the problem and not realize you actually have a fire extinguisher okay no matter what happens Financial trouble, parenting trouble, soul trouble, past sins trouble, past pain trouble. Did I mention marital troubles? Did I mention church troubles? Did I mention national troubles? Did I mention the entire world order being turned upside down because of some bozo choices in the Middle East? You never run out of reasons to have confidence that the living God living in you can lead you to follow Jesus. Right? That's the point. That's why Jesus died and came back from the grave. He died for our sins. He came back to life so that any separation between us and the holiness of God is covered over by his blood. Anything that could be like, well, God can't use me and God has to stay away and I'm too ugly and I'm too sinful and I can't be used and I'm too old and I'm too young and I'm too smart and I'm too dumb. All of those things are covered by the man Jesus Christ's blood shed for us with eternal value because he is the son of God and we're forgiven and we are welcomed by faith and we are chosen and beloved and we become more holy than the temple in Israel, a place where God is pleased to dwell and he wants to live in us and wants to be in us and wants 
wants to be with us and wants to be with us and wants to lead us and wants to talk and wants to change things. He wants to do this or he wouldn't have sent his son. So may the Lord raise our confidence to the level of truth by the spirit of revelation. Amen. Like every day, God wants to lead you and speak to you and change you and use you by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus Christ and the praise of God the Father. I think we should pray regularly to be filled with the Spirit. Now, we're not going to have long conversations about the theology behind that, but we're in total unity. Whatever that means, we should just be asking, fill me afresh. Help me experience your presence. If you feel distant from God, talk to him about that. If you feel useless to God, ask him about that. If you don't ever feel like he's talking to you, ask him about that. Just ask. Jesus said that the Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And I'm going to butcher it. It's from Luke. It's that one where he says, If you who are fathers are evil, yet you still know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He wants to be generous with his Spirit. So let's keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Do kids know how to keep asking for things from parents? Right? You turn the show off, what's for snack? And you're done the snack, and what's for dinner? And you're done dinner, and what's for dessert? And you're done dessert, and they say, boy, what's for breakfast tomorrow? They are unashamed askers. Be like that with what is the best gift God can give you, which is the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Ask God to purify your Bible thinking. This is that spirit of revelation part. The spirit is given to help us think like God by understanding the word of God so that we can know truly who Jesus is, what he's done, and who we are in him and everything else. But ask him, God, would you clarify my mind? Did anybody have those moments where you realize you've been doing something wrong or believing something wrong? Anybody? Just me? How, how do I end up leading the church? It's nuts. And then you have that feeling right after you think, what else do you see? Right? Oh, Lord, what else do you still see in there? Because he pulls the arrows out one at a time. Right? What else is still in there? There's still more. Do you know that you've still got more stuff? You've probably still got more junk you don't know about. God loves you now, like he's going to love you then. In the meantime, he will help us think clearer if he asks us. And sometimes it feels like a very natural way. Like, you'll say, God, would you help me with my thinking? And then 20 minutes later, you'll be yelling at somebody about something. And there'll be sin coming out of your heart. And a wise person would go, oh, well, thanks for answering. Now I know what I'm supposed to be working on. You know, find out the roots of unbelief or hurt behind that thing and deal with it. It doesn't feel spiritual in the moment, but it is the Holy Spirit. Number dot. Ask God to keep freeing you from sin and temptation. All your spiritual freedom, whether it's from anger, whether it's from fear, whether it's from um, sexual temptation and lust, whether it's from whatever, any work of the flesh ultimately is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life, creating the holiness of God in your life. Now, that doesn't mean you're alone or you should be alone because the Holy Spirit wants to use confession. He wants to use you talking to other people. He wants to use other people's prayers. He wants to use good counselors. He wants to use people so that you're not alone in this. But ultimately, a spirit who loves you and lives inside of you wants to keep setting you freer and freer and freer. And you can participate with that with faith. And me too. 
dot number dot. Ask God to speak to you, especially for your encouragement. I think God can communicate to lots of people in lots of different ways. But I think that the children of God should be hungry to hear from God. Okay? And if you don't like how somebody else teaches about hearing the voice of God, then you better find out the way for you. But you don't shut that down in your life just because you don't like what somebody else is doing. You need God too much. Amen? And you'll be better for me if you're listening to God. I don't want no not listening to God, Christian brothers and sisters. Is that too much? No, but seriously, like, I'm a bigger blessing to you when I'm listening, and you're a bigger blessing to me when you're listening. We're not individuals. We are individuals. We're not alone. And finally... Ask God to make clear what gifts he's given you to share with others. One of the things about our culture is we're so obsessed with getting uh, our brains figured out so that we can have inner peace and stuff like this that we can forget that the mission of being a Christian is actually to be fruitful for other people. Right? Right? Me getting free isn't about me getting free. Me getting free is about being a bigger blessing to the people around me for the glory of God and spreading the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit does give gifts. This is one of the things I don't understand about church history is how people can say that there's no such thing as like speaking in tongues and prophecy or the whole Pentecostal church when it, it literally is the biggest church thing that's ever happened in human history. In the last 120 years, from the Azusa Street thing, somewhere around 1906 or 1909, where it was just like one church to hundreds of millions of those type Christians spread around the world in a few generations. Eh, that doesn't happen, except by the power of God. And so if this is real, and the Bible is true, and the Spirit is in you, it's good to know how he's wired you to work. And how he wants to work with you. He's not going to give you everything. And it's not a competition. And you're not better for getting one gift. And worse for getting another one. You're given a gift that suits your faith. To be useful to the people around you. And enough weakness to need the people around you. To use their gifts on you. Amen. But ask and keep asking. And keep asking. And, and don't let it become your identity. <laughs> Jesus is your identity. And there'll be a day when there's no gifts needed. There's a day coming really soon where nobody's speaking in tongues anymore. And nobody's prophesying. We'll say, thus saith the Lord. Jesus says to you, and you'll just say, he's right there. I don't need you to tell me what he's saying. He's right. I can see him. He's, he's like a fire. He's like the sun. He's burning my eyes out. He's right there. So someday the gifts are gone. So they're nothing to be idolized. But in the meantime, we need them. Amen? Okay. Good. So no hands, no hands up, no hands down. Which one of these two things do you need to hear from the Lord this morning? The don't quench the spirit, but seek him. Or the grow in welcoming testing and refinement for holiness sake part. Which one do you think you might need? You don't need to tell me. You don't need to tell your friends. You should probably tell somebody. At least tell God. But in the meantime... Why don't we have the band come up? And we're going to...
Okay, so this has to be by faith. So nobody's forced to do this, and don't do this to fit in. There, I just broke some of your expectations of church. Don't do this to fit in. No, it doesn't matter what other people look like. You're not trying to fit in. You're not trying to impress anybody. This is between you and the Lord. But as many of you want to, by faith, ask the Holy Spirit afresh into your life for anything you need. It could be revelation so that you know in in your heart the truth that you long to know. It could be for freedom. There's something weighing you down, bogging you down. There's something that's oppressing you that you need freedom from, inviting the Spirit of God to come as the powerful finger of God into your life from Jesus Christ. Or maybe you want empowerment. You just feel so stuck, so imprisoned, so not knowing what to do. And you're asking the Holy Spirit to reveal how he wants you to be fruitful in this season. I want to invite you to stand if you've got faith and desire for any of those things. Amen. I see you there. Wonderful. And it can be something else. You know what? If your heart is burning in the Lord for something else... Now is a good time. I'm going to, you lift up your heart to Jesus. I'll pray. Father, I pray the blood of Jesus over these people. Forgiven, cleansed, accepted by faith, made holy by grace before the Lord, justified freely. And I give you their standing as a prayer. Holy Spirit of God, would you move amongst us? You're real. You were sent on the day of Pentecost to work in your church. And I believe in you and we believe in you. Holy Spirit, you know how we need you to grow. And you know where we need freedom. You know where we need to learn maturity. You know where I do all these things, and so we come to you weak and needy, but not rejected or abandoned. And I pray for you to minister, even now, just to each person as they've got their hands up or they're just standing. Would you touch their hearts? And I pray for a releasing, Lord. I feel like even right now there's somebody who's just not used to feeling feelings around God. We don't want to be controlled by our feelings, but we don't want to be shut down either and only be partially in love with God. So I pray for a release. If somebody's got their feelings bound up, I feel like there's somebody here who's just so madly in love with God, but they don't know how to feel that love. They, they just honor him. They love him, but it can feel cool in their heart. And so we just bless you to feel the love of God. And to feel so free to love him back without any shame or concern or self-judgment. You're free in the Holy Spirit. Feel like there's a bit of worry about what your neighbors or your family's going to think if you just yield to this? Okay, that's a quenching of the Holy Spirit. And instead what we do is we bring our faith that God will lead us in the way that is most peaceful and godly to walk out our faith in the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray for a calmness in saying yes to you, trusting you with all the consequences. Our job is to follow. Your job is to lead. Father, where I've been judgmental because of something I've seen on the internet or whatever, I pray you'd forgive me, my, my quick-to-judge nature. 
If anybody's here who just wants to ask for God's forgiveness for being judgmental, God will forgive you. If that's you, you just let God know. feel like there's some people here this morning who really do feel like they're too old to have a new experience in the Lord. And I want to tell you that that's not a true. That's one of those deceptions. All the strength comes from Jesus. And the weaker you get, the more strong he's willing to be. So now is not the time to count yourself out or shut yourself down. You just say, I would like... I feel like there's somebody here who thinks that the Holy Spirit can't uh, supply what they need in the daily grind. Every morning is hard. Every afternoon is hard. And you're used to having like a push on a Sunday or a push at a retreat, but you haven't quite opened your heart to faith that the Holy Spirit can be consistently awesome. And let me tell you, friend, he can be. And finally, I just want to give the church an opportunity. If, if you do have faith for us to grow in the spirit with wisdom, why don't you just say, yes, Lord, with me on the count of three. Amen. One, two, three. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let's worship Christ.